0: Hello everyone. You are listening
1: to Turn On The AC. I'm Anna. And I'm Alex. And today we have the pleasure of speaking with Ann Jamili, a queer and trans songmaker, aka Boy King, based in Boston, Massachusetts. His music is filled with honesty, joy, and just remarkable resilience, and is described widely as indie folk, but at the same time continues to defy our expectations and the world's and refrains from being placed in the neat little mainstream box that we like to avoid. So, <laughs> in
0: 2020, they released their debut album titled Giver Taker and just recently dropped a three track EP called Reunion that puts an expanded orchestral spin on selections from *Giver Taker. Before we get to talking about Reunion, we want to start by playing a clip from the song that caught our attention and has been stuck in our heads for weeks now, Baby No More.
2: Mary You i have done you wrong Heartbreak Heartbreaker Weary, but somehow I'm still alive. Still, so me am I not supposed to hurt you? Am I not supposed to make you cry? Be your baby no more.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, the the scary at the beginning, scary. It's literally been like haunting me and Alex's dreams. We were talking about it earlier. What? In a good way. In a good in way. In a good way.
1: In a good way. Like, I can't get it out of my head. I That's feel like amazing. I'm only going to say scary. That's why I sing it in the car.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I love it. Oh, Um, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a great
0: song. We want to know, so you say Mary, you know, well, I done you wrong. Who's Mary? Who are you referring to? Who is she?
2: Oh, I'll never tell. (laughs) I will never. (laughs) 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 But I'm glad that you asked, but you'll never know.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) spicy, spicy. A
2: little mystery Um, for the podcast.
0: Yeah. Oof.
1: I might do some deeper internet digging if there's any Mary trace, but it also could be symbolical, so.
2: Yeah, I will say it's not actually the name of any ex, but it's the name of somebody in the world of that ex. I think that's, like, the perfect amount of vagueness. there, Because I don't want to, um, I because I really was, like, not a good boyfriend to this ex, and so I feel like the least... I could do, yeah, so I'm not gonna be like, yeah, and her name is blank.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Cause yes. I think um, she's
2: probably like, well, fuck off. And I'm like, yes, I will, <laughs> I will fuck off.
1: So you were going through some breakup when you were writing this song, but weirdly mm-hmm. your music video is a celebration. You're like kind of rejoicing and dancing in the living room. So you have to give yeah. us a little context as to how you put that setting with that kind of storyline
2: yeah uh that's a great question it's it's about like a composite of breakups actually it's like a little bit of this one a little bit of that one me not being a good partner i was dating somebody and i didn't realize i needed to break up with them until i wrote it and i like showed it to her and she was like i don't like this song i was like why not i like had the uh, emotional awareness to write this very specific song but like not enough awareness to realize just how specific it really was. I wrote this song in like 2015 and then we didn't shoot the video until 2020. So when we recorded it for Give or Take or, I was like, I've always kind of viewed the song as like a bummer. Like it kind of bums me out, but my producers, Gabe Goodman and Justine Bowe were like, yo, it's a bop. And so they like bopped it the fuck up and we yeah. are like, yeah, so I'm like, We're throwing some drums in this bitch. We're throwing some bass. This is like a fun tune, even if it is a bummer. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that's a good point. And so it was with that kind of spirit in mind that we approached the music video. And the music video was Justine's idea. So she's like my bandmate and co-produced give or take her. Um, And we shot it at her house. And it was like, you know, I think I don't remember. Oh, the original concept was actually going to be like a queer burlesque Ooh, show fine. and the original like album cover was going to be a picture of me in the dressing room at a queer burlesque show just like hanging out. Mm. Um. But then like, you know, COVID came to rock everybody's shit. All our, everybody regrouped and all artists regrouped to do solo things and Justine was like, what if it was like a birthday party? But the camera kind of slowly zooms out and you realize that it's just you. And I was like, that's actually super tight. And it just felt like, I really liked that idea because I felt like the uh, parallel senses of loneliness associated with this time period and also the sense of like searching for and seizing joy, Mm. however it may be acquired and or created. Mm. So yeah.
0: I love that explanation of it it is it is such a joyful music video it's so fun to watch you dance love all the dance moves and the balloons and the party hats it's just a great oh man. <laughs> and the funfetti cake
1: and... Anna that you pointed
2: out oh yes
0: oh I love a good funfetti cake I saw that at the top of the music video and I was like sold I will keep watching
2: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah the video was directed by Eleanor Petrie, who's just this really sick videographer in new york and she's like great with set design and like she was like you know we wanted to have balloons that were the color of the trans pride flag and like she got the cake
1: (laughs) i hope someone finished the funfetti cake at the end of that whole production yeah did
0: you guys eat it
2: i actually don't really like cake and neither does justine or eleanor but we gave it away to my girlfriend's roommates Mm -hmm. and i think they ate it
1: nothing goes to waste i love that yeah Love I
2: like took way. a bite in the music video and I was like, nah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> are you more of
0: a pie person or are you just no, not a sweets? Um, a
2: guy? Well, it, I mean, I, I guess I do like cake, but it was from like a grocery store, you know, and I'm like a kind of a bougie cake person, but, mm-hmm. but yes, I am hundred percent more a pie person. Mm. I love pie. I
1: love pie too. It's all about the crust. I understand. Yes.
2: The crust is
1: everything. <laughs> I have that debate multiple times. <laughs> with people but what just like pie crust oh, and pie is it, crust. are you like the crust person or is it about the filling like uh, what makes the pie and when people tell me it's the filling I'm like I'm not judging you but for me personally it's all in the crust that's all I'm saying
0: because <laughs> mm, mm. um, like anyone can make a, a good filling but not anyone can
2: make
1: a good crust exactly
2: I agree yeah 100%
1: <laughs> the carpet for me too it's oh, just yeah. like... Oh, yeah. That like, carpet is a party
2: right there. Well, here's the thing. Justine just has great style awesome. in every facet of her life. Clearly. And that is just her fucking bomb-ass carpet. And <laughs> something that me and Justine like to do together as friends is dance like freaks. And so I would describe my dancing in that video as like relatively restrained because I was like oh, embarrassed yeah. about dancing in front of a camera. Like it gets even freakier. And like it's not a video that I can watch by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination, but I'm super glad that people enjoy it and that makes my heart happy.
0: <laughs> okay. So talk to us a little bit about your very exciting EP that you just released like a couple weeks ago, I think at this point, right?
2: Oh yeah. Reunion. Yeah. It was like three weeks ago. Three yeah. Weeks ago. Reunion. Yeah, Reunion.
0: It's awesome. First of all, we loved it. Aww. So you took three songs off of Give or Taker and reworked them. How did you choose those three songs and what was that process like?
2: Yeah, hell yeah. So what had happened was um, the idea for Reunion was courtesy of Jesse Frick and Tyler Andre over at Father Daughter Records. And they proposed this idea in like October, so maybe a month after Give or Take Her. And they were like, hey, would you like to release like, like, like literally just exactly what Reunion is. They're like, had a specific vision immediately. They're like, would you like to re- release like an orchestral EP with guest vocalists? Um, and songs from Give or Take her. And I was like, yes, that's a great idea. <laughs> and so we spent maybe the next like two months looking for people, finding the artists to sing on the record and also looking for um, an arranger. Honestly, when Father Daughter approached me with the idea, like, I was like, this sounds cool. And I was also like, I can't really envision what y'all are talking about, mm. but yes, I will <laughs> do this um and it wasn't until Melina, aka jasm sent me her vocal take of in your eyes that i was like oh shit this is hot fire <laughs> and it's not like it's not that i <laughs> and it's not that i didn't think it was going to be i like I, I i i thought it was going to be good but i just i couldn't like envision it and so just that her vocal takes combined with daniel hart who did the arrangements once I heard those two things together, I was like, yes. And like Daniel plays all of the instruments that in the orchestra, like, (laughs) wow. A
1: one man uh, band. I love the one man band show.
2: (laughs) He's a one man band. And like, I got linked up with him through my manager, Martin, who just like knows him from around. He like has worked with St. Vincent and the Polyphonic Spree throwback. And like he just did a fucking really good job, and like I remember, every time one of the artists would send me their vocals, me and Justine w- redid our vocal harmonies, and in most cases, like edited the vocal har- the vocal harmonies in some way. And every time, I was like, "Ah, oh, shit, they all sound really good. Like, let me make sure I also sound good. Like, they stepped up to the fucking plate. They like, knocked it out of the park." It's
0: pretty epic, the whole
1: thing. It's very <laughs> sensational, you know? It's orchestral, baby. It has to have that, like, sensational feeling. How
0: people can arrange like that, I just It's they a vision. See
1: it. yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. I'm really trying to see this summer. I'm very excited. James Blake is playing at the Hollywood Bowl oh, with shit. the Hollywood Bowl Orchestra.
1: Whoa. And- it's yeah. gonna be so good. <laughs> when,
0: then, um, September twenty fifth. So mark your calendars. Mark your calendar. Come through to LA. I think you need to take a trip just for that show.
1: <laughs> He's like <laughs> searching, right?
0: <laughs> I think wow. it's September twenty fifth. Yeah, I feel like seeing that live with the orchestra. It's so um, good. Really cool. The Hollywood the Bowl.
1: Oof. Mm. That's one of my favorite venues. I just love the amphitheater kind of setup for me. That's totally that's my spot. I okay, and also it. like side note, go see Looney Tunes live with the LA Philharmonic. What? That is my favorite. Every summer I would go as a kid and I still go as an adult. We're at the it's, bowl? At the is bowl. That a bo-
0: it's, that's a bowl classic.
1: Yep. They'll play like all these iconic Looney Tune episodes that have like these great. Sick orchestral pieces and then the LA Philharmonics will come and play it live and it's so cool and And just just... fuck up
0: them Looney Tunes tunes. Exactly.
2: (laughs) Wow. That's incredibly exciting. (laughs)
0: That's very exciting. Would you, would you play, play live with an orchestra?
2: Oh my God. Hell yeah. I forgot (laughs) about shows. I hadn't even like considered the possibility of that. But like, hell to the, yes, absolutely, yeah. the epic.
0: So, okay, throwing it back a little bit to <laughs> Give or Taker, just, just slightly. I read on your Spotify, you describing the concept behind Give or Taker, you wrote that death and life are always intertwined, wrapping around each other in a dance of reverence, reciprocity, and ultimately rebirth. I like the way you had put that because I think that is a really interesting concept, this intertwinement of death and life. And yeah, I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah. Um, so first of all, I wanna <laughs> say I did not write that, although I, I hope w- it was my biography writer who mm-hmm. I need to look up so I can give credit for that. because uh, they bodied that, but um yes so give or take her well first of all like i'm a gemini i'm coming out i'm coming clean it's gemini season and and so you know for that reason and also just because i've always like experienced most things as bittersweet um and this feeling was really compounded and crystallized when i got sober In 2016, Um, I'm a recovering alcoholic and was an active alcoholic from ages like 17 to 22. And the process of stopping drinking and like getting help was um, the best thing that's ever happened to me and continues to be. And it was also like extremely painful and continues to be, I think. And most of the songs from Give or Taker were written The year that I got sober, or at least like half of them with that like newfound perspective and The older I get, the more I realize that the painful experiences in my life kind of inform Who I am in a positive way, like in relationship to my capacity to learn from those experiences. Um, and I'm mostly talking about like just me doing shitty things and then being like, oh no, you dick, head, what did you do? And then learning from that. Like, did I hurt yeah. somebody else? Was I non-empathetic? Like, I've just, you know, I've had an emotional growth spurt. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God for myself and everybody around me. And so Yeah, I feel I feel I think I feel like there's beauty and pain in the ephemeral. Nature of existence itself, and that's kind of a low key obsession in my art, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: totally. Yeah, yeah, well, well said. It made me think of randomly the reflection of Yom Kippur, which is a Jewish holiday, it's the holiest day of the year, and it's actually translates to the Day of Atonement, basically, you just spend the day thinking about all the horrible things you've done in the year, atoning for your sins, and you fast um, that day. You do a little ritual, obviously, lots of praying. But the best part that my roommate and I do every year is our sort of like mini religious moment, spiritual moment. Your your sub-Yom Kippur. Yeah, (laughs) our sub-Yom Kippur is... There's a tradition where you take a piece of bread and you go to the um, the park or the beach and you tear off a piece of bread and throw it um, into the water and each one is like your sin and you mm-hmm. think of it in your head actively like, this is how I wronged someone or this is what I did and then like the birds come and they get all excited because there's food and they eat it and they eat your sins and they fly away and then you're cleansed ah. and then... The next day, you start all over again, being a terrible person, (laughs) working your (laughs) way.
1: And then the next year, you do it again.
2: Um, Beautiful, that's beautiful. Yeah,
1: I thank you for explaining what the challah bread is for because not only is it delicious, but now I understand the use of it during this religious holiday. That the birds get to enjoy Mm -hmm. it as well, exactly. Yes.
0: (laughs) More to come after this short break. We read that you grew up listening to some of the classics uh, like Bob Marley and Madonna, Michael Jackson, Tina Turner. Um, And then also like the singer songwriter, Sufjan Stevens, who I only a couple of years ago discovered through the Call Me By Your Name soundtrack. I don't know if that's incredibly basic to only know him from that, but great soundtrack
2: nonetheless. Yeah, he bodied it.
1: Some of his yeah. best work, so
0: ah, why not? I agree, yeah. And then the fun fact that we loved learning about you is is the influence you have from The Lion King. Alex and I, big fans. Big fan. Big Lion King gals. Um, we have to know, <laughs> have you seen the musical? Uh,
2: I have not seen the musical, only because I have not had the time and capacity but I will do so, and with fervor. I have heard it kicks ass.
1: You and I both, Jimmy, we're going to go do it. It's like yeah, my dream yeah. since a child. Yeah.
2: Yes, it is my dream.
1: I <laughs> am lucky to
0: say I have seen it, and it okay. is... Okay. <laughs> Sorry, just to flex on you guys both. Um, it's <laughs> phenomenal. It's like the most gorgeous show I've ever wow. seen in my life. I think I peaked watching The Lion King live.
1: Um you it's know beautiful. that Zazu is my spirit animal. So that is me as a person, sassy when I'm- Hello. What is it, a toucan? Is no, it- no. Google this today. It's a red-billed <laughs> hornbill. A common oh, misconception. Yeah.
2: He, they say what he is and I just can't wait to be king. He's like, he's like, I think it's time that you and I arranged a heart-to-heart. And is <laughs> like, Simba's like, kings don't need advice from little hornbills for a start. Mic
1: drop. Oh, full oh, circle. Yeah. I should have caught that. Oh, oh my wow. gosh. What's your favorite song from the movie?
2: Oh, yeah. It's, I just can't wait to be king. That's, okay. uh, you know, I fucking love The Lion King. I have always loved The Lion King. And when I saw it as a kid, my parents are from Malawi. And, like I saw these like lions in Africa and I was like, that's us. My parents were like, no, but
1: he, <laughs> they are That's in like Africa.
0: Close,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'm Simba. My dad's Mufasa, and like, luckily my dad, my dad is like still alive, so he's like didn't like suffer Mufasa's fate. His brothers yes. are all like they're pretty cool. Um, but like I love The Lion King so much. I always have. I love the music and the artist who did the Give or Take her album art. Her name is Rebecca Latios. And she actually drew me into a scene from The Lion King. That's dope. She was like, what kind of color palette do you want? And so we just sent her stills up from, I just can't wait to be king. And there's like this one still of Zazu and he's like sitting on a log that's about to go over a waterfall. And like the water has orange like lines in it and it's light blue. And she drew that in the background of the painting. And when I saw that for the first time, I flipped my shit. And I was like, I feel so seen, you did not just draw me into a scene from mm. the motherfucking Lion King. I love the Lion King.
1: <laughs> you know what, Jimmy secretive about Mary, but you just gave us the Easter egg of your album art. So I yes. feel like I, we, won, we won a little bit today. Yes, <laughs> it's so true.
0: Um, me and Alex always love like thinking of music and talking about music in terms of colors. And those colors feel very fitting. Have you been to Malawi ever?
2: Not since I was like seven or eight. Um, It's been a long, long time, but my parents go maybe like every other year or so. Yeah, I would like to go back, but I haven't been there in a long, long time.
1: Is most of your relatives based in like they're still back home where your parents are from and everything? So
2: I would say like, I'd say like it's like half of them. Oh, like half of them are in the U.S. and then like half of them are in Malawi. So they came here in the 80s. My dad got a a medical degree. He's a doctor. So he got his degree in Malawi, uh, medical school in Malawi. And then he came to the U.S. and, you know, went to medical school again in the U.S. Um, My mom's a computer programmer. And so I think maybe there weren't as many like tech jobs in the big city, Blantyre, where my parents were like chilling for a bit in Malawi. So they both like, yeah. They were like, okay, we're going to dip. We're going to head to the U.S. We have babies. Like, my oldest sister was born in Malawi. And they are like, okay, we're out of here. And they bounced.
0: Mm. Was there a Malawian community in in Texas? You're from Texas, right?
2: Yeah. No. no. <laughs> I was going
1: to say, I can't. I don't want to assume, but I can't uh, imagine. <laughs> Sorry. No offense to Texas, but I'm <laughs> Yeah, no,
2: it's, they, so... They came here in the 80s and then they moved to like Michigan. I think that's where my dad got his degree. And then they like, they went to a bunch of random states and my elder sibling and I, not, not the oldest one, but the second oldest, she and I were born in West Virginia. And then my parents moved to Iowa and then they moved to Texas. So yeah, first of all, WTF, thank you. And secondly, <laughs> I think tech, the move to Texas, like they just kept going down South because they were like, it's too cold.
1: That's mm-hmm. literally. I think the story of immigrants coming to the U.S. to like test all these different states. My stepmom mm-hmm. lived in Seattle. She lived in Oklahoma for two years. She's now in L.A. She's yeah. well. There's another state in there, and I was like, "What Brit brought you there?" And she's like, "Work, testing it out <laughs> with the kids." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay." Um, right. I don't know, Jimmy. If you feel this way, Ann and I talk about this all the time. It's when you have such like interesting cultural background and how you stay connected to that. Because there is, for me personally, a slightly a bit of a, not a disconnect, but it's so hard because I don't have actually that much Indonesian family in the US. So it's either going back to Indonesia or finding some other, you know, cultural tie that makes me feel like I'm Indonesian. And for me, it was Balinese dancing, my mom at like, 9 or 10 was like, I'm putting you in a Balinese dancing class. And I was like, no, No. I'm like, I don't want to do that. But then I was like, whoa, me and grandma are feeling a connection we've never felt because I'm kind of embracing Mm. my heritage. And that's how, you know, how I connect to being Indonesian. So how do you connect to your cultural background?
2: That's a good question.
1: Or how, when do you feel the most connected?
2: I think, I think maybe, maybe somewhat weirdly, I feel the most connected when writing music and like my music, I don't know, well, I guess, you know, I'm Malawian. So I guess technically so is my music, but like my parents, they didn't teach us to Chewa because like assimilation. And at this point in my life, like my, me and my parents aren't particularly close because of their transphobia and homophobia. I'm like close with my siblings. And none of us really have relatives that we like trust or like, in and outside of Malawi. And so I think the, the main thing that, yeah, makes me feel connected to my malawian is is music, just because I, um, I view my, my grandmother on my mother's side as like a spiritual guide for me in life and in art. Um, I never met her. She passed away before my mom was born, but she is like one of the subjects of the song 1978. Mm. and was somebody who I prayed to when I like got sober and when I, when I am like in a creative flow whether that's writing or performing I feel the most connected to, to like my ancestry and like the strength and history and joy and mm. trauma and everything.
0: We're going to take a short break. This is Turn On The AC. Stay with us. I know God is mentioned um, in some of your songs in Maker. You say, I'm not just a boy, I'm a man, I'm not just a man, I'm a God, I'm not just God, I'm a maker. Um, yeah. Which, great lyric, by the way. Thank you. How do you experience God if you if you do still?
2: So on the subject of, like, God and shit, um, I am not religious. Mostly just due to, like, my super religious upbringing, where I just, I didn't really, like, feel any particular curiosity about god or maybe i just like didn't really understand it at least the ones that my parents parents were talking about and then their like homophobia kind of like pushed me away from any semblance of connection to like christianity or their religious beliefs um and then for a while i was like you know fuck religion and then i got sober and like i got all spiritual and shit basically i like became a hippie and i was like i i began to believe in God, but I guess like a non-denominational one that I kind of just made up and decided what it was, which is the colors Mm -hmm. of the wind um, and like the sound of the ocean. And so I'm, I'm big into the vibrations of the universe and just like trusting that if I do the next right thing, I'll be okay. And... That if I don't do the next right thing, maybe I can do the next, next right thing. I just, I feel like God for me is both the desire to and the action put into becoming the best version of myself, which is like compassionate and generous and honest and joyful and has like wisdom in some ways. And those are also like adjectives that I associate with a God of my understanding. I would say I'm like a spiritual person. I like to meditate and shit. I like pray and shit. I'm like in recovery and my recovery program, there's like a lot of talk about like spirituality and like a higher power. And it's something that I lean on for like strength and support and guidance because I literally have no idea what's going on. Mm -hmm. I don't know like why I'm alive or like, why the world is the way it is, or like why I don't like carrots, but I do know that like- <laughs> I, I
1: know why you don't like carrots. I don't like them either. Unless Because they like
2: shit. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I need some ranch drizzled on them, or some some sauce of some sorts. I don't know. I just
2: can't have them. Oh,
0: no. Nah, oh, think it wow. Sorry, I, <laughs> I love a carrot, personally, but you know,
2: to yeah, each his own. Do. I mean, well, I can't see, and I feel like maybe if I ate carrots, I'd have better eyesight. Uh, Um, That's what they say, or at least they said when I was, like, five. Maybe they're just trying to get me to eat carrots. Anyway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yeah, so I have a strong sense of spirituality, and I ask the universe for help often, because I need help often, because I don't know what I'm doing.
1: I do the same with meditation. I have a very Christian mother, and telling her at 11, 10 years old, that I no longer would like to go to mass was probably the biggest fight we got into. But, you know, the thing is, it's nice to have a parent that can at least understand that, you know, religion is, you know, a practice that you define as something of your own. So for me, Buddhism, that meditation element, I like the kind of karma practice of hinduism you know do Mm -hmm. good into the world and good will come back i think yeah like like finding beauty in religion and how it can come full circle and just bring a lot of positivity to yourself in the world is the importance of the practice so
0: totally well because it's like at the purest and it's purest form religion is just something to help us like you know Mm -hmm. understand the world and like Mm -hmm. feel better about the randomness of everything and practice good values as humans. But then it just gets so, it just got so fucked up and there's just, there's so many issues. My dad always says religion is the root of all evil, which is really (laughs) just a horribly cynical thing to say. Um, I mean, he's not, he's like very atheist. So that's a very atheist thing to say, I believe. (laughs) But it's an um, atheist
1: thing to say.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But I I don't know. Yeah. I, I like religion being, defined by your own practices and a little take a little bit from everything you know
1: you guys have now got me thinking about my indonesian side that's christian buddhist muslim there's so many different you know religious practices in my family um that for me it's just it's a constant learning what everyone's different beliefs and practices are
2: yeah i totally get what your dad is saying even though it's like wicked cynical and i think (laughs) I think if anything, it's like, you know, it's just another tool that humans use that can create uh, suffering or joy. Mm -hmm. So true.
0: Thinking about like your influences growing up in your upbringing, mentioned being in a transphobic household and living in Texas and all these harsh circumstances to come up in, I can imagine. And um, I'm wondering if you had like a role model that you looked up to as a kid, trans or otherwise?
2: Hmm, I, I think I I didn't have any queer or trans role models, but I did look up to my dad as just somebody who presented a, like, a, what I would describe as, like, tender masculinity, a healthier version of masculinity than I saw otherwise in, like, American culture. He's just, like, not a weird macho dickhead i guess he's just a (laughs) gentle man who lives his life with as much kindness and wisdom as he can muster and so i I looked up him as a kid yeah Mm, that's sweet
0: Mm -hmm. yeah well alex and i were talking about how there really like aren't you know bringing it back to music there aren't that many queer or trans artists in the mainstream at all currently or that yeah i mean they they are there they exist but we don't hear from them that often you know on the radio or in spaces that are presented to us regularly so we're wondering like is that something you you hope to be a role model in the trans and queer community for music for the next generation of children trying to create and be musicians themselves
2: yeah oh shit i guess i do hmm like role models kind of got do shit well I will say say (laughs) simply uh yes and that's the reason like that you know give or taker has my big old painting of my face on it and it's the reason I'm like dancing in the baby no more video is to just be a if not a role model at least just like representation I want like to maybe like be the example I never saw. Like a queer, Mm -hmm. black, guitar toting, you know, singer who's just chilling in the indie sphere. And like, yeah, even in like the world of, the the white, white world of indie, I want like weird black kids to be like, they're queer black indie artists. And there are like a bunch of super sick queer black indie artists at present. And I just want to like hop in there. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think my music is maybe, will maybe be too weird for the radio, but, I would like to like a teen to be like, Oh, look, this is like some gay ass shit. I love this. That's that is.
0: Side note, uh, you are on the radio. Yeah. I've heard you on the radio.
2: Oh shit. I guess.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So keep killing it.
1: So
2: yes. with,
1: With that being said, if you could write a letter to yourself in the future, what would you say to the future, Jimmy? what (laughs) that's a big one or like
0: okay yeah i mean that's an overwhelming
2: question question. no no it's dope i like it usually people ask me what i would say to past me we're all about the future okay forward to the future jimmy i will say congratulations congratulations on the grammys Um, I can't believe that you have been able to, like, make a nice life for yourself and both and, like, redistribute your wealth and volunteer for queer youth music organizations and take care of yourself, mind, body, and soul, and be a part of, like, a lovely community. So congratulations, Jimmy. Good job.
1: Yes. I love it (laughs) all. And it follows up with a music video dancing. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) You mentioned the fact that there are queer and trans and Black folk artists currently creating in your sphere. Who should we know about? Who can you uplift?
2: Well, um, first of all, in the Boston music scene, there's a dope-ass rapper. Her name is Oompa, and she's this fat Black Weird badass, and a fucking sick rapper. And just oh, yeah. a wordsmith Hi. for the ages. Someone that I think is just a phenomenal artist. And then like outside of Boston. Have y'all heard of Beverly Glenn Copeland?
1: I did a little research today because I oh. we we did read your mention of him. But elaborate uh, to our listeners. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. Well, also wait, can you spell Oompa
2: real quick first? Yeah, it's uh, O-O-M-P-A. Okay, because that sounds like
0: me and Alex's type of music to a T.
2: Yeah, she put out a stick record in either 2019 or 2020. And I guess maybe I'm also on it. Like we did a collab together. <laughs> but the, the song, it's Plug. just good. It's good shit. Yeah, so Beverly Glenn Copeland is someone who is just a queer and trans black folk oriented artist who's like 70. 80, um, he's like old as fuck in a dope way. Sorry, he's not listening to this. Um, <laughs> he's like mad old, and I, I got wind of this person through father daughter. We were like doing our first run of vinyl, and they were, like, okay, so we'll put a sticker that says like recommended if you like. So how about we say like Sufjan Stevens and some somebody, somebody in like Beverly Glenn Copeland, and I was like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> and then I like listened to one of his records I think it's called Primal Prayer and I was like this sounds like me He was like <laughs> yeah. super galaxy brain he calls like tuning into his creative energy he calls it, like the universal broadcasting system he describes it as like turning sense. the knob on a radio and then the song on the radio is like the song that you are meant to write I'm translating it from like universe language into the human language and like that it's is, already like, there it, right yeah. it's like it already was, exists like, and i was like this is exactly how i describe my songwriting process to other people mm. like this motherfucker knows what's up <laughs> is like into the spirit is just like so fucking cool and i'm just like a huge fan i hope i get to meet him
1: tight yeah i, I was gonna say like, have you reached out that's, no that's really way. if you hear this we're no sending way. you this episode so he can you gotta yeah we're plugging you just do the cold, the cold reach out. Be
0: like, yeah, <laughs> big fan. Would love to collab.
2: No way. I couldn't handle that. No way.
1: <laughs> I think you should just write that in your letter to yourself and just say, Jimmy, you've done your collab with Beverly already. It's phenomenal. <laughs> Everyone loves it. Platinum. Who knows?
2: Think Congratulations, big. Jimmy. I can't believe you're best friends with Beverly Glenn Cook. <laughs> wow, wow you enjoy did. your fishing trip tomorrow <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly we'll make it happen all right well thank you so much for chatting with us it was so delightful honestly the
1: biggest tease of an interview to finally come to fruition but so stoked that it did thank you so much jimmy <laughs>
0: That was our conversation with Anja Mully. You can find him on Spotify, Instagram, and all the platforms at A-N-J-I-M-I-L-E. And for more information on this podcast and our playlists, visit our website at turnontheac.com or check us out on Instagram at turnontheac.